Hey guys, this is Matt. Thanks for tuning in to Hail from the Bleachers. You're about to listen to episode 7 in which we previewed what would have been the Maryland-Michigan football game this Saturday. However, since recording this podcast, Michigan has actually canceled the game due to an increase in positive COVID cases within the program. As of right now, Michigan has paused all football activities, including meetings, practices, and games. Even though Michigan won't be playing this Saturday, we still decided to leave all of our analysis, breakdowns, and predictions for the game in this episode for you to enjoy. Plus, Chance and I still have plenty to talk about. So, that said, sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Hail from the Bleachers. We are on episode number seven. And alongside with me, as always, Mr. Chance Vanier Crouch. Chance, how's it going? It's going okay. How about yourself? Um, I'm doing okay as well. Um, rough, rough loss this last weekend, my man. It's been uh, it's been tough. But before we get too negative, let's take a moment to recognize our um, fellow Michigan team from the NFL, from Detroit, Michigan. The Lions finally fired. Matt Patricia, and GM Bob Quinn. Now, I know this is a Michigan football podcast, but ding dong, the witch is dead. Let's go get Jim Caldwell back. That's all I'm saying. Well, I frankly don't care as I'm a New York Giants fan, so you guys can do whatever you want. I know. I just had to take a moment to recognize it. For all those in the, you know, southwest or southeast Michigan, uh, there's hope for, May- well, I don't want to say there's hope. There was good news for one of the football teams. I know better than to put a lot of hope in the Lions. But regarding Michigan football, um, we had a rough loss. Uh, Penn State, winless Penn State, came to Ann Arbor this last Saturday, and they beat Michigan 27-17. And the score really doesn't look too bad. Ten points isn't an awful loss. Losing to an 0-5 Penn State team, that's an awful loss. But it was really the way it happened. Um, There was never really a point in the game that it felt like we were going to win. Yeah, I would definitely agree with the opportunities were there. And whenever any opportunity showed itself, Michigan just found a new way to let us down. Yeah, it's, not one, seize the it's one thing if like, oh, the, we were so close to that play, but like the defense made a play mm-hmm. on us. Like they stopped us. But instead it was, we were so close, but we got in our own way. Mm-hmm. Like we fumbled the punt, or that one punt. Oh. And... The, the best part about the... <sighs> Fumbled punt by Sandra Skill was. So, just before that, on the offensive drive, he drops a pass. Next play, very next play, drops another pass. So, in his head, he's already thinking about, hey, I've dropped two straight passes. Then they go and put him out there for a punt, and he's just not thinking about it. And that's a high-pressure scenario, because I've once tried to catch a punt. It is... Uh, Difficult. It's daunting. <laughs> that ball yeah. comes in fast, and it moves. So, it's yep. definitely not an easy task, and especially I can't imagine having 250-pound guys running down at you, and, it, I mean, they aren't supposed to hit you, but mm, <laughs> the, I've seen people get hit before, yeah. and that's got to suck if you're not expecting that. And those guys are barreling towards you, too, so to yeah, not so flinch should be difficult. That's a high-pressure scenario, and he's already in his own head, and he goes out there and he makes a mistake. Understandable, it happens, but why was he put in that scenario? Yeah. And, I mean, let's just double down on it. With my biggest takeaway from this game was the players that make plays seem to get benched after making said plays. 
So Hassan Haskins, just tearing it up this week. He was just on a roll. In the first half. In the first half. Um, I don't know how many carries he had in the first half. I don't really care. But he was probably somewhere around 75, 80 yards. And he gets a touchdown. Uh, I think he got the touchdown early or early second quarter. Mm-hmm. Rest of the rest of the half, he got two carries. Entire rest of the half. Why two Why? carries? Like the guy's averaging six, seven yards a carry. Why did he? That's mind boggling. Why was he not given the ball more? Yeah. Like this is the only thing that's working about the offense. Well, AJ Henning got one target. After, oh, no, yeah. He got, like, the one really big catch, so, and that was it. A.J. Henning had been pigeonholed into this stupid role that we put Eddie McDoom in, where all you come in and all you're going to do is this wide receiver sweep, and everyone knows that's what you're going to do, so it doesn't work. And Eddie McDoom transferred. Cause and Eddie McDoom transferred because they didn't use him. And so, I mean, A.J. Henning finally gets to go out for a pass, and he makes an incredible catch. Lost the dude. Yeah. Like, I... Who knows? I mean, he might end up on Monday Night Football's Moss. We lost the game, but if we get a guy on Randy Moss's highlight, that'd be great. <laughs> so, like, he could end up on that. How come he hasn't gotten any more stuff? Right. Or, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I was going to talk about this later. We can talk about it now, though. Um, so, this week, uh... We got some offensive line guys back. Ryan Hayes was dressed but didn't actually play. At least I don't think he played. No. Um, so he was dressed, could have played, didn't play. It's whatever. So next problem, true freshman that had been playing right guard and doing decent, Zach Zenter goes down, which means we will have to put in our, I think, fifth different offensive guard this year. Mm-hmm. We're down to third string offensive guards. Mm-hmm. And Trevor Keegan comes in. I think Trevor Keegan's a true sophomore, maybe a redshirt freshman, one of the two. He's in his second year, regardless. Dude balled out. Yeah, he's played well. Might be our. He had one of the best games we've had for an offensive lineman. Why was he third string? Yeah, that's the problem, man. I shouldn't say it's the problem, but that's what it, it's, it's almost always a question is like a, a guy comes in as a backup, you know, whether it be on defense, offense, basically outside of the quarterback position. And and most often they play really well. And it's like, how did he find himself with so little playing time before? Like somebody posed a good question. And, you know, obviously the answer is more loaded than, you know, it's an easy question to ask. But at linebacker, you know, I'm not going to dog him because he plays, he's been playing well, but Adam Shipley is a good example, right? As far as I know, he's a walk-on. I don't think he's a scholarship player. Maybe he's a preferred walk-on. I don't know. But he's a walk-on. He's filling in for McGrone. He's been playing pretty well. Reasonably well for what yeah, he's had to do. Yeah, re- reasonably well, right? You know, made some plays in previous games. This game, and didn't really hear his name call a whole lot. Don't know if that's good or bad, but he should, probably should have more tackles. But... Somebody posed a good question on social media. Why is it that we have so many guys in the wings at linebacker and Shively is the first one up? You know, obviously you want to play the guy who's playing the best in practice. Mm-hmm. So that must be the case, but like... I'm going to... Uh, so a lot of these guys, when it comes to linebacker, a lot of them are really young. And I believe Shively's a senior. So maybe just that experience. So it's is... just the... I mean, yeah, like... So he just has the experience in the system. He's going to know the system better. Sure. But... 
with where we are in the season, yeah, because Shibley's a senior. So with where we are in the season, to hell with experience. <laughs> I know because we've, we've talked about it before. Yeah, like you throw, you got you have to throw in the young guys sometimes. You have nothing left to play for but pride yeah. and development. So yeah, so I would not be upset if they threw in some of these young guys, but. Obviously, we're not at practice. We don't know what's happening. Maybe yeah. these guys just have so poor of a gra- like grasp on the... Because pr- we've also had a lot of the older... People that should be these older linebackers mm-hmm. transfer away. For example, just, just played Rutgers. Five, or five-star Drew Singleton. Mm-hmm. Came to Michigan. Transferred away to Rutgers. Right. So, he's yeah. one guy that... I expect big things from and him, and then he transferred it, away. Was it Jordan Anthony? Was Jordan one? Anthony's another one transferred away. Yep. So you're, I mean, you're right. Maybe a part of that class where a lot of the D line and yeah. linebackers transferred, but you know, just a lot of questions, right? You come out of this mm-hmm. game and you have a lot. Again, more questions than not. Probably the biggest. More questions than more more new questions than questions that are getting answered. Exactly. Um, the most notable one is who are we gonna? I mean, who are they gonna start at quarterback next week? Because I feel like we're heading back at square one. Cade really had a Pretty unspectacular day. Now, fourth quarter was, I don't care what anybody says, he was playing hurt. Um, his, he was playing hurt in the his, early first quarter. His shoulder was not right. Yeah. Um, well, because he left the game. Mm-hmm. Joe came out for a series. I think it was just the one series. Went three and out, I'm pretty sure. Oh, um, uh, no. He had the one big pass cut. Oh, that's right. That's right. Because he came in on second down. Yep. Had a big pass play. Yep. And then, but proceeded to end the drive with an overthrow. An underthrow and then a run where he mm-hmm. didn't pick anything up. I think it was the run. But anyways, Cade left. Apparently, something with his upper body, chest, he, he landed right on that sh- throwing and, shoulder and on a play him, that shouldn't have happened. I'm pretty sure they gave him a cortisone injection um, or something. They said they gave mm-hmm. him something to stop the pain. So clearly, medical staff thought it was something he could play through without worsening, which is a good thing. You know, obviously, you don't want him to be hurt. But clearly, you know, was not as precise yeah. as he had been. Um, was not as didn't seem it. He seemed a little bit jumpy, right? Or he'd rush throws. So, I mean, I you can't expect too much out of him at that point. It's sort of like how much you expect out of, uh, from a guy who's not playing well. But they still trusted him more to play injured than they do Milton. Clearly, but also apparently Milton's hurt. They, oh, I didn't hear that. Oh yeah. Oh, they said numerous times during the broadcast. Oh well, yeah, yeah, during the game, yeah. But yeah, but he didn't look. Hurt. <laughs> He's. They said it was said he has been hurt since the Minnesota game. So I would not be surprised if he got hurt during the Minnesota game because he did throw his body around a little recklessly on some of those runs. Sure. Yeah. Which can happen when you do having a quarterback do all these runs. Yeah. So I. But it still begs the question. So you have two hurt quarterbacks supposedly. Don't know the extent to Cade's injury. If it's just you know rested up and then you're good to go next week. So is it Dan Valari season? We don't know. I mean, honestly, it's not. Strongly <laughs> doubt Dan Valari will be getting the snaps. Clearly, it's not Dan Valari season. But that's sort of it's a question now. It's like, do they trust Cade to play hurt better, or do they trust Joe? I I would assume it's Cade still, because um, I don't think Cade did anything to, you know, lose that spot as the starter. Didn't did he play great when he got hurt? He got hurt late first quarter. Maybe it was later. It might have been early second quarter, but it was in the first half. Got it. So he played the entire second half hurt. Yeah. And Which it, and it showed. You could yeah. tell they, if you watch him throw, clearly he's not throwing with the same velocity, with the same you know precision. So so that's one of the bigger questions we have now. And then 
Well, the big question going off that is, so we have a quarterback that's hurt. Why are we not running the ball more? Oh, When yeah. the run is what yes. is working. <laughs> I was going to wait for the hill. Yes, he'll know. But yeah, what? Riddle, riddle me this. Or put yourself in this scenario. You're a football coach. Forget all the context outside of this game, right? Maybe mm-hmm. you're undefeated. Maybe you're winless. You have one of your running backs go for over 100 yards. Or somewhere close, probably. No, 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 no. He, he went for a lot of yards and scored. He was, but, yeah, I'm going to presume he's probably around 70, 75. Yeah. Because so, he had a big 65-yard run in that drive. And this is in the first half. So he's clearly in a trajectory where he's going to rush for over 100 yards in the game. Probably score multiple times if you feed him the ball. He's averaging probably somewhere between 4 and 6 yards a play. He finished at 6, so yes. Yes. So, as the coach, do you A, hand him the ball more, or B, say, meh, let's try something else that hasn't worked yet I think, obviously, B, meh, let's do something else. Because, all right, so let's just go through, without you looking, what do you think our average is per each running back? So we'll start with Haskins, who I already told you, has 6 yards of carry. And Chris Evans... Had 35 yards. What do you think he averaged per carry? Most of his yards were on throws, so I'm going to say maybe a yard and a half, two yards. So, no. So, these are 35 rushing yards. Yeah, 35 okay, on rushing yards. So, I'm okay. talking exclusively rushing Exclusively yards. rushing. Um, I'm, so, I'm going to say maybe three. So, Chris Evans, four carries, 35 yards, averaging 8.8 yards a carry. Oh, so um, he actually did pretty well. So, let's go out and Blake Corum. Blake Corum had 27 yards. How... How many tries do you think it took him to get 27 yards? Mm, seven. Three. Yeah, really? it was nine yards of carry. So, why don't we run more? Because we threw the ball. Because literally every... 28 times with two hurt quarterbacks. Because Charbonnet didn't play. We Charbonnet think, we didn't think, play. We think he's probably injured, dinged up or something. They have, no, regardless, he didn't play. Regardless, he didn't play. But all three running backs... Then all three running backs. Over five yards per carry. Yeah, six, six or more. Jeez. The only two that brought the average down were Joe Milton, who averaged four yards a carry, and Cade, who averaged three, and that was the play See, he got hurt. I, I thought you were going to go through and tell me they averaged poorly until we should give it to Haskins, but no, they no, all did well. They all did we well. Why did we not run more? Just run more. We threw the ball 28 times. We ran the ball 27 times, and clearly the running was working better. Jeez. Yeah. Again, so there's no we averaged So we averaged two yards better, two and a half yards better a carry as a team. Than we did throwing the ball. Yeah. Why did we not run more? See, there's another question, right? And it's like, and for me, it's like, we didn't even answer the questions we already had, which were, can we develop a pass rush? Well, maybe we did answer that question. The answer is no. Um, a, a consistent pass rush. Which, no. and two quid, so Quiddy Pay was back this game. Yeah. And he played fairly well for his mm-hmm. first game back. It's just, it was the same problem we had earlier in the year. Over-penetrate. He, he over-penetrates, and he is this close. If you can't see, I'm like doing the inch thing, because this is a podcast and it's not a visual media. <laughs> but he is like inches away from getting a hold of Clifford yeah. numerous times. On that touchdown run, he was about a, he was about an inch away yeah. from tackling him. And like, so he's getting there. The problem is, we don't have the D-tackles, the big uglies to just yeah. be in the way. Yeah. It was a. Uh, it was not good. I mean, he was really close to being there. Yeah. But, so, but still, outside of pay, no one, no one, literally no one. Consistently, I should say. You know, you had Upshaw in Ooh. there on the play. You had Hinton in on the play. But yeah. it's like 
one play per game for these guys. Yeah, and like then Carlo Kemp, we love you, Carlo Kemp. You are just a grinder, <laughs> but like you are just a guy that fills space. To be honest, yeah, and and we we need someone, whether it's Luigi Villain, David Ajabo, where has he been? Taylor Upshaw. Why? Right, so Mozzie Smith, Chris Hinton, one of these guys needs yeah. to become a playmaker. Chris Hinton has been playing solid. Um, he's been playing as expected for a guy that just not really getting the snaps. Yeah. And then same thing with Mozzie Smith. He's doing, I would say maybe a little worse than Hinton, but still pretty solid. Uh, the big, the bigger question goes to our defensive coordinator, Doctor Blitz. Um, where's the Blitz? I'm going to say the former Doctor Blitz because. I'm tired of seeing three, four-man rushes. Yeah, when we aren't getting pressure. And when we're getting run on, like, nobody's business. Because Penn State's not first, not second. I don't even think he was the third string coming in. True freshman, Kevon Lee, ran for 134 yards on 22 attempts. Which is averaging 6.1 yards per rush. Sean Clifford, the... Quarterback, not running back, quarterback, ran nine times for 73 yards, averaged 8.1, and scored. Outside of that, nobody really had a you know fantastic running day. But the we talked about going in, we should eat these guys lunch in the run game because A, Sean Clifford, while athletic, isn't primarily a running quarterback. And B, they were down their two top running backs and couldn't seem to run the ball on anybody else so far this year. So, like... We can't stop the run, and we can't pass rush, which are the two foundational pieces. Well, I guess one foundational piece, having a, a defensive line that can penetrate to a scheme that Don Brown likes to run, which is obviously not all the time. He's adjusted some, but pressure man-to-man defense primarily, right? And even even when you play zone, you still got to get pressure. So I just I'm, I don't understand. You, know, you can understand a drop-off with, like we were talking mm-hmm. about, a lot of D-line transfers over the years that have kind of mounted this year. A couple linebackers that you would have expected to start previously all transferred away. But the guys we have in there, they're solid. Right? Ross, yeah. McGrone, at least. Barrett, the jury's still out. He looked really good game one, but really hasn't done anything since. He's been okay since, but... But, like... We need better. Why? That's... For me, that's the most nauseating thing. And I guess, unless you have anything else to say... I was thinking about transitioning here to hail yes, hail no. But all that to say, my hail no for the week has to be the defensive line play. There's no pass rush, and we can't stop the run, which if you can't stop the run, there's no reason for them to do anything other than that, which is what we should have done to Penn State, right? Uh They couldn't stop the run, and so we said, you know what? Let's try passing it more. Why? Like, why? Like, I want to I want to quote that, like, there's a there's a clip of, like, a southern pastor who just goes, why? Why? Like, that's uh-huh. how I feel watching. It's like, and we, we watch the game together. Right. We need to clip that and put that on our Instagram. <laughs> yeah, we will. We'll, we'll show you guys what yeah. we mean. But, like. Josh Gaddis play calling. Why? You know, it was me, Chance, um, a couple other people watching the game, and I think I just sat there and mumbled to myself, like, why? So many times. Ugh. So yes, my hell no is the pass rush um, because of all the things I just said. Um, one of these guys has to step up. Uh, other so, than Quiddy Pay. 
Where bigger question? Our defensive tackles. Where's our big immovable guy? I don't Do you think, think any one. of them are over three hundred pounds? No, I don't think they are. Which Mozzie I mean, was close when he came in. But. You don't have to be if you were technically solid enough. You don't have to be. Because like Chris Wormley, I don't think he was over. No, but Chris Wormley was technically like almost perfect because they moved him different places yeah. too. So like, you don't have to be, but. Who was our last, like, big, immovable D-tackle? Ryan Glasgow, probably. Glasgow. Because uh, Mo, Mo was undersized. I, he was just quick. Big Willie Henry, maybe? Yeah. We're, well, we're looking, regardless, we're looking three, four years back. At least. Yeah, the we're looking at, like... 2016 team, pretty much. I would say 2017 was, I, we still had... I think we still had Glasgow. I'm still, I'll count Mo, because Mo, he was a little undersized, but not really. Yeah, I mean, they say he was, but I mean, he's still a really big guy. Height, height-wise, he was undersized. Yeah. He was still a big guy. It was, it was really his first step that yeah. separated so, him. It's been three, four years, um, We ha- which we have recruited them. Aubrey Solomon. Um, Dwumfer. Dwumfer. They've just transferred away. So, why are we not pursuing transfers? Like, we went after that one guy. Yeah, he's. Just I not, think he's from just Navy not, or somewhere. Just not eligible this year, I think, or is he just not playing? We didn't land the one guy. Oh, we didn't get him. I don't think we landed him. I thought but we like, had why, defense. So we know we have this problem. Why did we not more aggressively pursue immediate solutions? Yeah, I don't know, and I, it's hard to even speculate. It's mm-hmm. like you had to be able to take an inventory of your roster, and it's like it's not even semantics. The on-the-field product shows we are lacking on the interior of the defensive line, which, so to their credit, the DBs have pulled it together for the most part. Vincent Gray and Jamon Green, props to you guys. uh, Not to brag too much, but, so if we remember going into this game, Penn State had one huge receiving threat who had been annihilating teams all year. He was their only offense. The entire year. So Jihad Dotson. Jihad Dotson. Um, so, what do you think that Michigan held him to? Michigan held him to on nine targets, three catches for thirty yards. Which they is pretty impeccable. Locked him down. Which our numbers were used to seeing, like Levert Hill and David Long put up. Yeah. They, which they locked down these top wide receivers outside of you know the Ohio States and Bamas of the world. Because. If I can get here, I just want to see his game-by-game stuff. Whatever. But he put up big numbers against other teams. Yeah. Is what so, you're looking for. so far this, this year, he's got 34. So in five games, he was averaging roughly um, roughly 100 yards a game and a touchdown a game. And Michigan held him to grossly below that. Yeah. He's averaging about seven catches, mm-hmm. 100 yards, and a touchdown. And Michigan held him to three catches Yeah, on nine targets. So it's not even like they weren't passing to the guy. Yeah. So they did really— Nine targets is a lot. DBs play, are playing really well despite a pretty inconsistent pass rush. So it's like— And despite being awful earlier this year. Yes. And so the improvements shout there, out to them. If the improvements there, it's like the next step for the defense is, can we figure out how to hole up the defensive mm-hmm. line? Because— Teams aren't afraid to to throw against us or to run against us yeah. because quarterbacks aren't concerned about getting sacked, and 
the 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 O lines that we're playing aren't worried about our D line. It's like gone are the days where it's like we're playing Michigan, you know, abandon the run because mm-hmm. that's what we used to be able to do to te- do to teams when we blown out Penn State in the past. It's because they've had to completely abandon the run and exclusively pass. Yeah, I mean, outside of Saquon Barkley, we, yeah. we contain him for the what? most part outside of the one right. year, but to be fair. Containing Saquon's like a hundred yards. <laughs> yes, great. As I did but, state earlier, I'm a New York Giants fan. Saquon Barkley is almost Jesus Christ reincarnated. <laughs> he's not because he tore his ACL. Uh, Jesus, Jesus would, would not tear his ACL. <laughs> Jesus would not tear his ACL. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like it seems to be the next logical conclusion is like, and the the fact that we still haven't fixed this or even lo- moved in a direction to try to hold it up what. Six, seven games in the season. because yeah, the pass defense... Great. ...is there. No, it's like, great. It's there now. For ex- yeah, it's it's gotten there. Like, as we already said, Jahan Dotson this week. Penn State threw the ball 29 times. Nine of those went to uh, Jahan Dotson. That means a third of the targets went to this one guy, and we held mm-hmm. him to three catches. Yeah. So that's... Like, the pass defense is there. It's yeah. dramatically improved. It is. It really, so, it really is. let's help the pass defense out more by blitzing. Because we need pressure. Because, yeah. I mean, realistically, the the DBs can defend for three, four seconds before right. it's just so much time that the receiver is going to get away. And there's so, there's just too many plays where you watch, in this last game, Sean Clifford stands. Just stand and stand and say, like, oh, the, well, I've got like, nothing. I'll just run up the middle. It's not even like he has to step up into the pocket. Yeah. He's just standing there, mm-hmm. straight up, and so when you have that long to look at the field, like, and I could, I if I was playing college football, I could probably get open in four seconds, maybe, if they're playing zone defense, sure, <laughs> and if I'm playing the second stringers, but it's it's just it's too easy for quarterbacks yeah. when you have four, when you have all t- all day, it's giving you so much time to evaluate what's happening and it's giving the receivers time to figure out what's happening. You need and guys find get, the holes. Yeah, you need guys getting home to the quarterback in at least two seconds. At most two seconds. Yeah, you want two to three seconds. I feel realistically, if you're getting, you have to be at least getting to pressure on the quarterback. Yeah, rather, you're actually making him feel the heat. Right, you need to be yeah. sacking him. Make him have to move. Exactly. So, which we did, which we did occasionally get him to move, but it's just not consistent. Yeah, it's just not. It's not. Uh, yeah, it's just not consistent. Not consistent enough for teams to have to bring in an extra tight end or extra mm-hmm. running back into protection. So, I kind of already started us, but like, okay, so officially transitioning to hail yes, hail no. For those who don't listen to us normally, Hail Yes, Hail No is sort of our staple segment here where we talk about the best thing that we saw and the worst thing that we saw. Or the, I guess Our the, Hail Yes moment, our Hail No moment. Because amazingly, exactly. no one else had thought of this. No one's trademarked it, so uh, we're working on that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, basically what we liked and what we didn't like. I've already said what I did not like the most, which is our lack of pass rush and run defense. Um, let's do your Hail No chance. Right. Both to our so we kind of already covered it, but I'll double down. So, my hell no, Josh Gaddis is play calling. Like, <laughs> we are running the ball so well. Yeah. So well. Why did we not do it more? Which is a trend we've seen from and him. The more, yeah, it's a trend we've seen, and it's a trend that keeps happening. Because, like, for example, I was talking with some people on Instagram today in the comments, and... Pleasant conversation. I'm pleasant sure. conversation. It was great. Uh... Big question was, uh, like, they kept blaming Harbaugh for a lot of their offensive problems. And I truly, 100% believe, 
that Harbaugh has nothing to do with this offense. As far as play calling. As far as play calling, I don't think he's involved in personnel, really. People oh, have, Maybe quarterbacks, still, though. I'm going to say quarterback would be the only thing he has his hand in. But I think running back personnel, like who's on the field, other than quarterback, I think is exclusively Josh Gaddis. Because if you remember, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but if you remember, literally every Michigan fan said, take the play calling away from Harbaugh. And that's why he brought Gaddis in. Mm-hmm. And he, he said, Gaddis has the keys to the entire offense. Yes. And they've doubled down since then, numerous times. Gaddis has the keys to the entire offense. And honestly, I... For Gaddis, it kind of sucks because, uh, well, let's just put it simply. Gaddis, um, this is your first time being an offense coordinator. Mm-hmm. This is your first time uh, having all the pressures and everything that comes with that. And, like, they keep, so people keep blaming Harbaugh, and I just don't understand why. Because Harbaugh clearly is not... Like, there. if you don't watch Michigan football, I could see how you blame Harbaugh. But... There's a very notable difference from mm-hmm. 2018, so pre-Gaddis and with Gaddis. Yes. Very notable difference in how the offense is run, what they're running, their play calls and everything. And, for example, one guy was like, basically like, well, it's got to be hard, but all they do is run up the middle. I was like, well, there's two ways to run the ball. <laughs> there's inside and outside. You can't so, run the ball up? So either you're running the ball inside or you're running the ball outside. So if you're blaming Harbaugh for exclusive running the ball inside, every I don't know what you're co- doing. Every other coach in the country is on the hook then whenever yeah. they don't get 100 yards up the middle. Because every other team does it. I mean, if you want to get into the more technical aspect, the biggest notable difference between the run game with Gaddis and Harbaugh is Gaddis is more of a zone guy. So zone, zone running is where basically... The linemen are blocking an area, not a guy. Mm-hmm. So, basically, you're looking, do you have a guy? No, you move up to the next level and try to find a guy. Right. So, power is what Harbaugh likes to run. That's more your traditional, that is, everybody has one specific guy, you need to do your job. Mm-hmm. So, Harbaugh ran a ton of power, Gaddis runs a ton of, a ton of zone. Both have been successful. Both have been successful. Yeah. Get, like Obviously, they still run a little of both. Because running exclusively zones not good, running exclusively power is not good. Right. So obviously there's a hybrid of the two, but for the same th- reason that you don't just run the ball every play, you don't just yeah. pass every play because then you become predictable. But so I think my biggest problem with Gaddis is I think Gaddis is in his own head and he's outthinking himself. Basically, mm-hmm. I think he's thinking. If you haven't seen the Princess Bride, I think it's the poison scene <laughs> where well, if like I take this cup. Like, clearly, you'd put the poison as far away from you because you're human you know you're mortal. So, like, clearly, the poison has to be in my cup. But I know it can't, the poison can't be in my cup because so you would not put the poison this close to me because you think you think I would know that. And so, he's and thinking... Begins the yeah. cycle. So, Gaddis is probably thinking, well, they think I'm going to call this inside zone, so I'm not going to call that. I'm going to call this instead, but they'll probably think I'm calling that, so I'm going to call this instead. But they'll probably think, since I'm not going to call that because I know they think I'm going to call that. And it's just like, dude... Just it's, it's chill. It, because, I mean, you're right. The, the evidence of that sort of assumption is the play calling is, it seems frantic because you find something that works and you move away from it. I mean, to his credit, for that quarter and a half that we fed Haskins, he stuck with it. Mm-hmm. But then for some reason, moved away from it. And it, it's not like, I think there was a couple plays where Haskins didn't get a, a couple big gainers, but like, 
you're not going to get 10 yards every play. You just got to stick with it. So, I mean, to those listening, it's like we're not saying that Harbaugh, when he was the play caller here, if you remember, you know, it wasn't the greatest play calling. It was fairly predictable and vanilla during big mm-hmm. games. So we're not even defending Harbaugh's play calling. Yeah. But like, We're not saying he's good. But we're saying he was better than what we have now. <laughs> yes. And right now our issues in the offensive philosophy have to start with Gaddis because – and this is coming from a guy, me – who just said earlier in the season mm-hmm. that Gaddis was a prime candidate for the head coach position if Harbaugh leaves. So, like, I got dirt on my yeah. face, too. Like, It goes back all the way to when Gaddis first came to Michigan. Um, if you didn't see, um, on Instagram today, this is Sunday, uh, Wolverine Report put out a question about if you had to keep one, Harbaugh, Gaddis, or Brown, which would you keep? And... The seemingly clear choice is... The seemingly clear choice is Harbaugh, which my comment did get pinned, and it's even funnier because game day he literally called me a dog-headed moron, but <laughs> then he bragged about how my comment was perfect today, but whatever. And so I said, it's got to be Harbaugh. He's at least was decent with play calling. Gaddis is absolutely horrendous, and Don Brown is already a dead man walking with this defense. So the clear choice has to be Harbaugh. And we're not saying Harbaugh is better. We're saying, or like, we're not saying Harbaugh's good. We're saying he's better than what we have. Yeah, it's not even a vote and for Harbaugh. Like, it's not even a plus to Harbaugh. So it's just a negative to the others. It goes dead back to um, Gaddis coming in from Bama. Gaddis spent one year at Bama, people. Like, he was at Penn State as a, like, a pass game coordinator. That is not him calling plays. That is him suggesting plays that then... The head coach call or the offense yeah, coordinator. It's calls. basically an expanded quarterbacks coach role. Basically, that's what essentially what he was. He was he was additional counsel. Mm-hmm. Then at Bama, yes, and title, he was co offensive coordinator. He didn't call the plays, but though. he was not the play caller. Maryland's current head coach, Mike Cloxley, who I'm sure we'll talk about later when we get into the game preview. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the play caller, and Gaddis was more or less like. The genie or the uh, like Jiminy Cricket on his shoulder offering him input. Like, hey, I think we should do this. So, like, and there are very clear signs of Gaddis's ties to when he was at Penn State and some of the stuff that they ran at Penn State and mm-hmm. some of the stuff they ran at Ohio or at Alabama. It's very clear those ties when he's do, doing his play calling. But, like, Harbaugh took like a moonshot. He thought this guy's either going to make it big or not work at all. And so far, it's in the not work at all category. Yeah, for sure. So, so I, I agree. It, if you had to keep two or one of the three, it has to be a hardball because neither coordinator has even come close to expectations this year mm-hmm. as far as what they put in the field. Right. Obviously, the players got to play, but like, yeah. you're you're accountable for what you put out in the field as, mm-hmm. as the coordinator. So. And which, obviously, everything falls back to Harbaugh as the head coach because it's his program. Yeah, he's accountable but for it. But when it comes to between the three... If you're not picking Harbaugh, you're an idiot. Let's just be honest. <laughs> in our opinion. In our yeah. opinion. Because Don Brown is clearly, the defense has gotten worse and worse each year. And yeah. so far, Gaddis has not met even like half what expectations are. So to escape this B-pone, black pit of ne- <laughs> negative expectations, let's do a hail yes to make yeah. us feel better. So I'll do my hail yes. Uh, more experience for underclassmen. Because as we already talked about earlier, this podcast, Trevor Keegan... Sophomore, guard, got yeah, in. Playing real well. Played really well. Um, and Our, as, our has been playing well, too. Yeah. So, like, especially on the offensive line, 
We are. Let's th- let's just go through quick. So Barnhart, mm-hmm. sophomore, he's replaced at center right now. Um, Trevor Keegan, sophomore. Uh, Andrew Stuber, I believe Andrew Stuber's a junior. I think junior. He's a junior. He's at right tackle right now, filling I in for so. Mayfield. Um, then right guard Chuck Filiaga, who I believe is a junior. Then other one is oh my gosh, who is it? Zach Carpenter. So Barnhart actually is at left tackle. Carpenter is the one at center. So um, the entire left side of the offensive line, center to tackle, all sophomores. And we had been playing Zach Center at right guard, who just got hurt, which is why Filiaga, the junior, switched from left guard to right guard Mm because Keegan's apparently better at left guard. Right. So half our offensive line are in their second year of football eligibility, if not only their second year on campus. Which should pay huge dividends. Which Yeah, so it's the death by inexperience now, Mm -hmm. but hopeful success in the future, which goes with... Blake Corum tore it up this week for the few touches he had, mm-hmm. did really well. And receivers, A.J. Henning, that huge catch, yep. he's a true freshman. Basically, anyone that's receiving the ball as a receiver outside of Ronnie Bell is a sophomore or less, mm-hmm. which sucks for the current time. But yep. two years down the road, when they're seniors and juniors, that's going to be great. Well, and when you're to the point that we are in the season where you have two wins, yeah. like, literally the, the only reason you're playing right now is... Because pride and development. And because games are on the schedule. <laughs> yes. Then, I mean, you, that's what you stomach, is you sort of, mm. like we talked about in previous episodes, <clears throat> episodes, you sort of shift your expectations. You go, okay, let's just get these guys ready for next year so that when we come back, we're not two and, what, five now? Or two and four? I don't know, uh, two and four. Two and four. Yeah. We played six so, games. Yeah. Um, my hill, yes. Uh, I had to think long and hard because, not because there weren't positives to be had, I just wanted to be intentional which ones I picked. They were admittedly a lot fewer this last week than in recent weeks, but um, mine kind of went hand-in-hand hand with my hell no. has to do with Hassan Haskins. That first quarter and a half, dude was lighting it, lighting it up, and they did show a conceded effort to get him the ball. You know, even if it was a run-run pass offense, which, you know, a lot of Michigan fans will knock Michigan for is running a predictable run-run pass. But hey, if it works, I don't care. Literally, it could be a run-run-run offense, but if you're getting five yards per run on average, guess what? You're averaging a first down every every, uh, two downs. So um, my OES was Hassan Haskins. He scored um, in the first half. I don't think he had a second score, did he? I think it was just the one. No, it's just the one. And then they went away from him. Um, But the only reason, it's sort of like a half hill yes, and it's not even because of Haskins. It's because of the play calling. Because um, I'm going to pull it up here. There was a so tweet. he had. Go ahead. Hassan Haskins had ten carries in the first half, and then they basically just kind of stopped using him. Yeah, um, it was ten carries in the first half, and then it's just like, why did we stop running? Yeah, Zach Shaw tweeted um, during um, at halftime as as uh, as we went in um, after amassing seventy three yards and a touchdown on seven carries. So that's over ten yards a carry yeah, which, in the first half. To be fair. He had the fifty nine yarder. Yes, definitely helped your average. But he also still he had a fifty nine yarder. Yeah, fifty nine yeah. yarder. So like, it's it's like it's, from the ball. As much Please. as that should be a knock on his average, like oh well, he had the fifty nine yarder. It's like, yeah, he did. So keep giving them the ball. But anyways, um, so he had the seventy three yards and touchdown on seven carries on Michigan's first two drives. Uh, Haskins got one carry in the last two drives of the half. Mm-hmm. So and 
the context of the game flow, that was when Milton came in. So you have the yeah. at that point the backup quarterback in. What do you try to lean on when you have a backup quarterback in? The run game. Or at least you should, yeah. in theory, if it's working. So And especially with as we found out, Milton was hurt. We don't know when he got hurt, presumably in the Minnesota game, but they said he was hurt most of the season. And so he's hurt. Cade gets hurt. Because on the play where um so on the same drive, Haskins gets that touchdown. Mm-hmm. Cade got hurt when he rolled out, yep. and they did that stupid run. Yeah, like Hassan Haskins. So that that drive was four plays long. Hassan Haskins ran for or fifty nine yards, to ran again, and then they do this bizarre on second and goal. <laughs> Cade McNamara run, rolling out, and he gets hurt in a position he doesn't need to be put in. Right. So he gets hurt. And then Haskins says the next play gets the score. Why did we run that Cade play? Yeah, like literally... Like Haskins like, literally has 60-some yards on mm-hmm. this drive. Just 60 yards on this drive alone in two carries. Mm-hmm. Why own, does he not just... We're already first and goal. Let's yeah. just finish this thing. Even my younger brother's girlfriend, um, while we were watching the game, who you know, she makes an effort to watch all the football games and stuff like that because uh, my little brother does as well. Uh, he's really big into football, but even she, admittedly not being very invested into football, not maybe understanding mm-hmm. the entire game as a whole, but even she even made a note: Why aren't they giving it to the ball to the guy who's running? Who they like? Why are they handing the ball off more? They every time they do that, they get yards, but whenever they try to throw, it doesn't work. It's like because gas. that is an excellent question. Let me let me have you write down write that a letter for me. Address it to the uh, Glick Field House in Ann Arbor and address it to care of Josh Gaddis because. That's the question literally everybody's asking is if you run three times out of four and on those three plays you get positive yardage and on the one play where you pass you get negative yardage or somebody gets hurt, why not run more? So even my hail yes is kind of tainted with like, yeah. it's kind of, it's a, it's a backhand with uh, the, the hail no on the backside, but. Alright, so know. let's escape this and let's go into. Well, our- we're at about 42 minutes, so let's actually move into a break. Uh, I know. But when we come back from the break, Chance is excited because we are going to get to some of the questions that you guys have asked us on social media, uh, on Instagram this last week, uh, actually in the last couple of days since the game was played. Um, so we are going to go ahead and take a quick break, give you guys a break from our voices, and uh, we'll come right back and we will answer some questions as well as recapping the conference this last weekend, and then we'll get into some predictions. So we will see you on the other side of the break. to transition into our I haven't really called it anything official yet Insta questions (laughs) Insta questions Uh, basically sort of a mailbag sort of question segment where we take questions that you've asked us over social media and uh, we're going to go ahead and answer them and typically I'm going to preface we like to uh, give a shout out to those who ask questions or at least we've done that so far in the one episode that we've done it Um, but but to be fair those questions we we know the people who ask the questions personally. Yeah. So well, that and this week, not a knock on you guys at all, but some some of our friends who ask questions or those who follow us have some 
Maybe PG-13 Instagram names. Or, I mean, it could be the guy's name. I have no idea. But if you don't have a real name on your account, it's going to be really, like, because we don't want to be like, sure. at, but, at, like, TGXT4, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, yeah. Or at. We'd like to say your name, so. <laughs> or, like, if your Instagram tag is, like, at I love butts, like. Probably not going to give you a shout out, unfortunately. But hey, unless you're Sir Mix a lot, because then the butts don't lie, and we get it. <laughs> but anyways, well, if you're listening and we we ask your question uh, or we answer your question, hey, props to you. Thanks for reaching out. So let's start off with actually, Chance, you had a question. I have like a question. Ask. So, um, to have a question to start this off positively, as the other three questions are not very positive. We're going to go back into the bone. So to avoid bone currently, Matt. Who is your favorite player you've seen play at Michigan? So I'm not talking like, I mean Tom Brady's probably a lot of Michigan's favorite player or Michigan fans' favorite players. I'm talking about someone you actually remember seeing play at Michigan. And like as it could be on play. TV yeah. as a so as a player it could be on TV like, could be in person. I don't really yeah. care. So like, like, I can't answer Charles so like, Woodson because yeah, Charles Woodson, Desmond Howard. I mean maybe a song, but you're like five, so I'm not gonna count. Not old enough to care. Not old enough to actually, like, appreciate what you're saying. So, right. basically, I'll get, like, 2003-ish on. Sure. So, past 17 years. Who sure. is your favorite player you remember seeing at Michigan? Yeah, I was thinking about this one. Um, it's a tough question. Because there are a lot of the players from when I was a bit younger. Mm-hmm. Where, like, when Michigan was still in the national picture for a lot of things. When we were good. <laughs> when we were good. Like, Mike Hart. Oof. Man. Loved watching him play. Dude had one fumble in four years as a starting yes. running back. And, That's and mind-blowing. <laughs> loved watching him play. And so there's guys like him. Um, Steve Shout Bryce. out Mike Hart, running back coach in Indiana. Dude's yeah. killing it, as we saw it. earlier this year when Indiana ran for 8 billion yards yeah. against us. And there's guys like Mario Manningham, Steve Breston, um, Braylon Edwards. He was probably my second pick. But it's going to be a really common pick, especially for the younger folks who've only been watching for the last five, six years. But mine has to be Jabril Peppers because I don't remember watching a guy who was more electric whenever he had the ball in his hands, whether it was special teams, defense, or offense. Like, when Jabril got the, the interception on JT Barrett mm-hmm. in the game 2016, the JT was short game, like, I was hype because that's what everybody wanted was Peppers to go yeah. off. And then there's the Rutgers game where we beat him like 76 to 0 it was like a basketball 77 score. to 0 yeah or 77 it's to 11 zero. T- or no 78 to 0 because we went for we two went for up two. like six yeah. touchdowns I forgot about that uh, <laughs> shout out Grant Moore <laughs> holder of the year <laughs> but um real trophy he wore in a while, by the way that, Grant Moore holder that, of the year that whole game defense offense he had a punt return actually had two punt returns for touchdowns one was called back because mm-hmm. of a block in the back from Jordan Lewis um but just every time I touched the ball, it was... And even though there, I had some qualms with how we used him back in the day, because... You mean only running? <laughs> yes. Like, we line him up and... Put him in the wildcat, but not actually, like, use him for anything else. Every time run. we ran. It's like, there's no point in the wildcat if you don't do anything else. Um, but anyway... So see, we do rip on Harbaugh's play calling. It's just Gaddis is worse. But yeah. please continue but, on your brief. But the thing is, he was so good. Even though teams knew he was going to run it, he would still get 10, 15 yards most of those mm-hmm. plays. So I loved watching Jabril, and he was just like, the dude is just, he's a mood. Like, he's mm-hmm. always hype, he's always 100%. Like, he plays for your Giants now, so he, yes. and he's killing it for the Giants, too. He's doing very here. well. Yeah, I remember I was one of the few Giant fans that was very pro the trade of getting rid of Odell and mm-hmm. getting Jabril and some 
guys back with draft picks and stuff, and it's worked out pretty well so far. Yeah, he's a captain, isn't he? I think he's a captain. Um, he's what third or fourth year in the league? I think fourth. I think fourth. This is or no, this is a third year because he graduated. He left twenty sixteen, so it'd be that's right. Seventeen. No, this is year four. You're right. Because he had 17, 18, 19, 20. Uh, so, yeah, 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 four. You're right. So, year four, he's doing really well. So, um... Who's your favorite player? I'm going to cheat because it's my question. I'm going to have two favorite players. I didn't know we are going to change the rules. It's my question. I can do what I want. So, <laughs> mainly I was going to... So, I've, I'll do an offense and a defense. And you can you can throw an offensive player. Oh, no, no, no. It's, it's fine. So, mine, I'll do offense. Um, It's got to be Devin Gardner. Yeah. Just... Devin Gardner as a player, Devin Gardner as a person. He's just a great guy. I just love Devin Gardner. Because, I mean, when you watch Devin Gardner play, especially that first year when he start, when Denard got hurt against Nebraska and mm-hmm. then Russell Bellamy had to go in because everyone's like, well, why didn't Gardner go in? Because he's been playing receiver all year. Because mm-hmm. they just needed to get... They're like, this guy's too athletic. We need to get him out of the field. Right. And so... he. That game, we lose Nebraska. This is when Nebraska was actually good. Mm-hmm. So, Under, uh, what's his face? Taylor Martinez was, uh, Bo Pelini was head coach. Bo Pelini. Bo Panini. Bo Panini. I yes. called him. So, um, so Devin Gardner comes in that next week against Minnesota, lights it up. He was sick. And he was unreal that remaining, but probably like four games of the season. And then even against South Carolina, he played really well. Mm-hmm. So, um, Devin Gardner's got to be one of my favorite players, hands down. Because, I mean, you have the commitment in his junior year with um, the Ohio State game that we already talked about that we went to in 2013 um, when he played the entire second half on a broken foot. He's a hero. That is mind-boggling. And almost beat Ohio State. And almost beat Ohio State on a broken foot. Yeah. And if that foot wasn't broken, he maybe he rolls out and gets that play. We don't know right. on the two-point conversion, but, like, that was that's unreal. And then, I think the biggest, my best memory of Devin Garner has to be uh, his senior year when JT Barrett got hurt. Yeah. yeah, that is such a classy move. So if you don't know, J, the JT Barrett freshman twenty fourteen, uh, JT Barrett tears his ACL. I thought he broke and his leg. He might have broken his leg. I think he broke his. He did leg. something. He he's down on the ground. This kid has been. Lighting it up because he came in for Braxton Miller that year. Yeah, because Braxton Miller got hurt, mm-hmm. and so JT Barrett comes in and he is lighting up. I think Braxton Miller tore his ACL and was out for the whole season and missed the entire year, and then yeah. was back the next season, twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. So this is the year Ohio State won the national t- championship with Cardell Jones. Mm-hmm. But so in my opinion, Cardell Jones got the sports car already going at a hundred and just had to steer it to the win. Yeah, JT Barrett, Barrett got it up solely yeah. carried this thing up to speed. He was at a, like, I would say he was freshman All-American. I'm not going to look it up, but I think he probably was. Yeah. Dude was unreal. And, like, this is, so he gets hurt. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the worst moments in this guy's career yeah. for JT Barrett. Because he, he wasn't the same after. He doesn't, like, he doesn't know, am I done? Right. Anything. And this is your rival team. And Devin Gardner goes over as the senior leader. In the shoe. In in Ohio State mm-hmm. and consoles him. Yeah. I don't know what he said. I don't care what he said. He got down on a knee and yeah. had his hand on his face and he was saying something to him. And that's not something, that's not even something you see from like two teams that aren't even rivals. Mm-mm. And like, I don't know if they have a previous relationship before that or what. 
But that's truly just such a great moment. Devin Garner is a class act on and off the field. And, and he's got a show on Fox now, doesn't he? So he's he's got two shows. So uh, this just this week, this past Saturday, did his first ever... Oh, he commentated. Commentating. And he did... For ESPN. He, he did Toledo versus... Um, I think it's Toledo versus Kent State. So it's a really bad MAC team. It was two middle of the road MAC teams. So like, did really well. Shout out to him! Oh my gosh, that was amazing. Yeah, because sometimes you listen to commentators and you're like, "What are you talking about?" But he's he sounded so, really yeah, good. So just we'll talk a little bit more about uh, Devin Gardner. So Devin Gardner started his own quarterback program. It's called Young Go Getters out in Detroit. Uh, that was the one that um, Joe Milton had worked a lot on this summer. But like, so has his own youth program he started, and that's gone really well. Uh, then he has a show with Brooke Fletcher on um, Fox Sports Detroit. It's a great show. He has his own podcast um, that I've just started listening to. Oh my gosh, it's it's really good. If you don't know, please follow Forward to Progress. It's on Fox Sports Detroit's podcast. It's uh, Devin Gardner just interviewing people, talking stuff. It's so good because he's just really informative and I I just love Devin Gardner. He's really knowledgeable about so, the game. So shout out to him. Go shout out to Devin shows. Gardner is awesome. I totally recommend everyone go listen to him. Who's your defensive player? So my defensive player, he was a walk-on. Uh, Started for yeah. four years. Yep, I should have known this. I don't know who you're going to guess. No, I know who it is. Go ahead. It's Jordan Kovacs. Yes. Jordan Kovacs as a safety. One, the guy comes in as a walk-on under Rich Rod. Doesn't expect to play. Starts playing as a freshman walk-on at Michigan. That's... And say, how are there not bodies to fill this role? But somehow he yeah. took it over. And he super consistent. He was never the star, but he always did his job. Mm-hmm. And the most notable part about Jordan Kovacs when you looked at him was Darren Sharper wore these. And I love them. I always <laughs> use them in Madden or NCAA football or whatever it was. I would never wear them in real life because I think they're dumb to wear in real life. But he always wore these half sleeves, just the bottom. Yeah. I was just like, that's so cool. So Jordan Kovacs, I loved him. Four-year starter as a walk-on. The story's insane. He was really solid, too. And, like, again, never the star player, but always did his job. He's one of the bright spots. In one the of the bright spots in the dark days of Rich Rod. Where our defense let up 40 points a game when it was not normal to let up 40 points mm-hmm. a game. So Jordan Kovacs, I I just love Jordan Kovacs. Okay, so yours were Devin Garner, Jordan Kovacs, mine, mm-hmm. because the question... Posed to me was my one favorite player okay. to watch. Okay, so you Peppers. can throw in. No, 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 no. I'll just, I'll just. Cur- let it so look. currently, Jordan Kovacs <laughs> is a coach with the Cincinnati Bengals. Obviously, would love to see his career continue. He was actually an NFL player for a number of years. Uh, after, because oh, yeah. I mean, he was never like. Was he with the Packers? He was with the Dolphins, then the Eagles, then the Dolphins again. And the Chiefs and the Rams, both in 2016. Somebody went to the Packers. And then he was with Michigan as a special teams assistant for a little bit. And then he's been with the Bengals as a quality control guy for a few years. Mm. So hopefully, so he used the Michigan connection to get himself in the door with the coaching. Sure. But hopefully that continues, and we wish him the best of luck in the future. Yes. All right, so let's move on. Let's get some questions from people from social media. So the first question we want to answer from you guys um, <laughs> preface we're going back into the pit of negativity, but we're going to try to give very level-headed responses here, so we're not going to get too negative. Because, frankly, guys, as Michigan fans, when things go bad, the really bad takes start coming out. So 
we would like to stay away from those. Um, so some of your questions were really dumb, and we didn't do them. Sorry. We're going to pick, like, the top, like, four or five, but some yeah. years were awful, and we're not going to even so go over I'm going to go there. I'm not going to call this person out, but somebody asked a question. They said, why are our players so weak? And if you – I doubt you listen to our podcast, but if you're listening, said person – you know who you are. <laughs> Just don't ask those kinds and of questions. And we're doing another one of your questions because it was a good question. Yeah, what do they are the You one? asked one good question and this one was not, not a good one. But for real, just real quick, I have to say it as the host of this podcast, don't ever insult players. Don't ever talk poorly about players outside of critiquing their play. It is okay to go, you know, on this podcast, we've, we've talked about Joe Milton struggling. We've talked about the DB struggling. But guess what? We never go, oh, he's... You know, like he should transfer. Yeah, he should transfer. Why does he, he suck? Why is he so soft? Well, yeah, we're never going to talk about players like that. So you shouldn't either. Don't yeah. ask those questions. But we will get to a good question here, which was, why do you think this season is going so terribly? Is it COVID? Is it coaching? Is it a lack of unity with the team? And to be honest, probably a mixture of all the above. Yeah, it's all the above. I don't know about the unity with the team. That's really hard to um, gauge because it's a. I'll get to that, but please continue. Because here's the thing. Football team, it's up to, it's up to the coaches to build the culture, but you are all working towards a common goal. And, you know, it doesn't help when there's bad play. You know, sometimes it's easy for things to go real south as far as attitudes where guys start blaming each other. But I think you can attribute more of the struggles from this team to COVID especially because you mentioned it in a past episode. We didn't get the... One to two tune up games. Yeah, you don't have those tune up games against like Central Michigan. Yeah. Um, Insert Eastern Michigan here because they always suck. (laughs) Yeah, but. And they're only like five minutes away. (laughs) Hey, my cousin's husband worked in the recruiting staff for a hot minute, so I can't hate them too much. But I know. But yeah, they didn't have those games to really find their identities. Now they were. If the schedule was as is before COVID, they would have played Washington, probably would have lost. So you get that kind of sobering loss. But who knows if they came, if they came out with the same vigor they did against Minnesota, who knows? Yeah, who knows? First game of the season, it's everything's up in yeah. there. But after that, you would have played, I forget who it was, I think Bowling Green was mm-hmm. on the schedule. And Bowling Green, if you haven't looked at the max, not doing too hot. Yeah, and somebody else, some other match. Doesn't really matter. But, but we likely, actually no, I think it was a team from down south, like a no-name school. Well, I don't say no name. That's kind of mean. But you never heard of him mm-hmm. before. But a name we, I don't know. So we probably yeah we probably would have whooped on him. Mm-hmm. And so you don't get those two tune-up games to build some confidence. Yeah, you don't get the conference building games. Yeah, because normally going into conference play, it's like okay, we found ourselves. So that that hurts. And then obviously we talked about coaching. I'm not going to yeah. talk anymore about it. But it's just a combination between the two that are just spiraling and yes. making it worse and worse. And with the disunity, obviously we're not in the locker room, so we don't know are these these fiery speeches like, "Hey, yeah. we got to do this." Yeah, we've yeah, not yeah. heard anything, so I, we're not yeah. we're not going to sow those seeds. So of, the okay. only comment I have on this is actually going to be reiterating a comment I just heard from uh, former Michigan defensive lineman Ryan Van Bergen, who's doing something with uh, the Wolverine.com, and he said basically he was so Ryan Van Bergen started playing under Rich Rod and like was through the transition into Hoke. Because he was with the 2012 team that did so phenomenally. Mm-hmm. And so Ryan Van Bergen had a comment that kind of stuck with me because where are their players defending the coaches at all um, in any of these interviews? That's true. I mean, so earlier you brought up the Lions with the firing of Patricia, and you see all these current players and former players just, like, celebrating. 
Yeah, that's true. And they, you, they were, they were guys like, this is the professionals. Though. Yeah. So it's a little different. But sure. even under Rich Rod, players are still kind of defending him. Have you seen any player this year really defend any sort of like, hey, like defending coaching decisions, anything like that? Uh, indirectly. The fact that you are having to think about that is a problem. Yeah. And it's really only been from and, a couple guys that, like, they weren't even directly defending him. It's just yeah. like, hey, guys, we got this sort of thing. Yeah. You know? So the players, when they're doing their interviews, because a handful of them have to do interviews each week. It always sure. changes. But Monday's the big interview day. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that we can't really think off the top of our head at any time one of the players kind of defended one of the coaches yeah. seems to be a bit of a problem when it comes to the unity aspect. That's true. Although, you never really hear a yes. lot from players under Harbaugh about those kinds of things anyways, because I think he runs a tight show as far as... I'm going to presume say. those questions were asked, so there could yeah. be that, at least the opportunity to, just to say something. I might go back and watch some of those. I haven't watched a lot of the you know Monday, Monday mm-hmm. morning pressers, but maybe I'll go back, because that's a, that's a good question. I have I can't think of one off the top of my head that I have seen, yes. which is so. obviously an indicator, but... I'm not going to say they're disunity. I'm going to say there is some evidence that could be supporting that there might be disunity in the team. Or at least a disappointment at the lack of achievement. Yes. Right. So, good question. Um, I would say it's a combination of all those things. You know, how much you could accredit each one to contributing, you know, it's kind of up in the air. But moving on to our next question, um, which is also one that we kind of liked, because it's probably what most people are thinking is, where do we go from here? And I'm going to actually say this a step further. The initial question was, where do we go from here on getting new coaches? I'm just going to make it more vague. Where do we go from here, period? Um, now, I guess we should address the actual question. As far as coaches go, obviously, Tom Brown's got to go. It, yeah. it, that is a foregone and conclusion. Like, at it's point. not if, it's when. Yes. And I will advocate, I unless the coach actually does something outside football that is negative, like... Any sort of like mm-hmm. harassment, anything like that. Don't fire him mid season. Yeah, any anything, anything that's like a hey, you gotta fire him. Right. When it comes to the actual football coaching, I don't understand the firing in the season. I don't think it helps players. I don't think it helps the staff, no. coaching staff. Because if you look at the coaching staff, do you see anyone that could top in and be the defensive coordinator for two weeks? Nope. So there's no reason to fire him right now. So Agreed. unless you have like a like a assumed number two, like if Greg Madison was still the D line coach. Then yeah, yes, I could see fire him. He Madis- was, yeah, he Madison was the defensive yeah. coach or coordinator for quite some time. So unless you have someone that could easily fill that role and like just be good enough, mm-hmm. I I'm never pro firing in the season. Sure, I think he so, needs to go at the yeah. end of the season. So for Don sure. Brown, we all agree, needs to go. I, Josh Gaddis, I think a lot of people are against right now. But so basically, I in my opinion, it all comes down to Harbaugh. There's a lot of reasons why Harbaugh might leave at the end of the year or get fired at the end of the year. There's a lot of reasons why he might stay longer. Mm-hmm. So, um, basically, so if you go, they talk a lot about during the game that Harbaugh has a lot of NFL. Harbaugh's time in the NFL was extraordinarily successful. Never a single losing season. Mm-hmm. Came into San Francisco, immediately go. So he's with San Francisco for four years. Immediately, three, conference, three straight conference championships. Mm-hmm. And then their bad year, which is why he got fired, they went 8-8. Eight and eight. Mm-hmm. And, um, and apparently it yeah. wasn't even because of the record. It was no, it was because... with the front office. Yeah, which, yeah, he and Jed York were literally at each other's throats. It yeah. made sense why he had to go. Yeah. Because if the GM and the head coach can't get along, you have a problem. Right. 
So it made sense. So he's very successful in the NFL. And as we've said in the past, or I don't know if he said on the podcast, but in the past, every year, there's a coaching cycle, rumors of, is Harbaugh going to the NFL? This is the only year it's really been believable, in my uh, opinion. Yeah. In my opinion, when it came to the past years, Harbaugh, like, people don't understand the love of Michigan Harbaugh has. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a guy that's basically reliving his childhood by being a Michigan. Mm -hmm. He built this huge house. He has his parents living literally right next door. He built them a house next door. Like, this is amazing. If mm-hmm. this, like he is living his best life. Yeah. And so I could totally see NFL teams being interested, and one that would kind of make sense to me. I don't want to get too much into coaching rumors, but there's one where he wouldn't even have to move. I was gonna say the same thing. And I know people are like, oh, he's he like he's not doing well the much. Why do he do well there? Because. As we mentioned last week, Harbaugh is a professional coach. He'd be literally perfect for Matt Stafford. Yeah. With the Detroit Lions. So yeah, well, obviously, yet yeah, Eric uh, Bieniemy with yeah, a lot of big, a lot of the big Chiefs. Games. So a lot of options. So I could see Harbaugh easily going to NFL this year. But so when it comes to we were talking earlier about reasons why it'd be bad for Harbaugh to get fired with COVID and all the budgets being cut and all that stuff. Those are actually the same reasons why it'd be good for him to get fired this year. So, we are... Obviously, everyone's going through this. Michigan... Well, we talk... So, Michigan makes a lot of money from the Big Ten just through football contracts. Mm-hmm. Matt and I were talking about it yesterday. We won't get into the actual real numbers because it's kind of... It's a lot. It's, it's astounding. So, you think Notre Dame makes a lot of money with NBC because their fans tout that. They don't make anything compared to the Big Ten schools. They make literally almost half. It's astounding. Yeah. So, yeah, keep touting that NBC schedule. But, <laughs> um, so they make a lot of money off that. And they have some very large, noble boosters, mainly Stephen Ross, with the owner of the Miami Dolphins. So it's not exactly like he doesn't have money. Right. Um, so you could easily get this buyout figured out with, hey, we don't have cash flow. Can you help us out? Um. So we're dealing with this. We have the money to make this work. The coaching market this year is probably going to be kind of weak because a lot of schools aren't going to be able to have the money to find new options. Right. Because so as far as yeah, the, so work other teams being able yeah, to afford so a coach, other schools being able to afford a coach is going to be a problem. For so them, that means yeah. we are the big dog on the market. That's true. Whether you think we're an elite program or not doesn't really matter. Sure. Michigan's got serious money. As we know, Harbaugh's being paid like seven mil a year. Mm-hmm. Um, they have the money to pay people, and they have the history in which, like, if they had to take a loan or something, a bank's totally going to give it to them because they have great history of like, hey, we usually make this much. Right. So, like, for example, if we just go with Ann Arbor Pioneer, what well, Ann Arbor Pioneer makes exclusively just from parking. So, Ann Arbor Pioneer is the high school directly across the street from Michigan Stadium. Mm-hmm. In 2016, they made $1.2 million off parking <laughs> just from Michigan football. So, the amount of money that streams into this school just from football is astounding. Yep. So, they could make this work. That's an interesting point. I hadn't thought about that before. Because, like, for states already, so Michigan State has already gotten their new coach from last, last year with Mel Tucker. Um, state couldn't get, like, if that was happening this year. State doesn't have the money for that. Probably not. A lot of schools aren't going to have it. We are going to be one of the few schools that could be in the market and have the money to be paying these. Like, so if a guy's looking for a move, we're going to be one of the real big options. Yep. 
I guess moving away from the who should be fired, I guess let's kind of we've kind of gone down this tunnel or this rabbit hole before, but you know, th- four games later or three games later, things have sort of changed. I think my top head coach candidate, let's say <clears throat> Harbaugh walks away, fired, whatever the scenario is, is not here next year mm-hmm. or even maybe the year after, because I can totally yeah. see him staying for next year. Um, whether or not we want him to is maybe another thing, but I I can see it lining up so he stays. I really like the more I watch him, Matt Campbell from Iowa State. Mm-hmm. I'm still not sure how he would do on a bigger stage where there's schools, lots of schools that play better defense. Dramatically increased pressure as well. Yes, but I just watched the dude have an interview after a game because they just beat was it Texas, mm-hmm. and dude was in tears talking about how much he loves his football team. Yeah, which. You know, knock him or not for crying on national TV. Gets in the feels. It does because he loves his. And I mean, there's no. It's, lack tu- of, it's tough to fake the tears yes. he was getting. And, but the thing is, his guys love are, him. Love him in place. They play up to these. They they beat Texas, mm-hmm. and no matter. I mean, I know Texas has not been good like, recently, or not been. He's at still, he's at Iowa State. People, they aren't even the number one program in their own state. Exactly. And it's not even close. And Iowa is so much bigger than Iowa State. And they're beating a team that's able to just sell based on their name, Mm -hmm. Texas, right? And they beat them, it was was pretty decisive. Score was decently close, but like, there's no doubt Mm -hmm. that they're going to win um, for most of the game. But anyways, really like Matt Campbell. His players seem like him. And by the way, that's not a knock on Harbaugh. His players are all there because they're there for him. And he does love his players. If you ever listen to him, Mm -hmm. he loves his players. But I really like Matt Campbell. So, as far as the question goes, where would we look to? I would start with Matt Campbell, and then, like you said, the enemy from the Chiefs is obviously a big option. I don't know if he'd leave. I was referring NFL. to the Lions, but... I know, but right. you mentioned him before, but I don't think he'd leave the NFL. So. No, I don't think the enemy will leave the NFL. So that leaves us... Basically, I'm not going to say any names, but if... Like, Ward Manual, um, if you're somehow finding this podcast, that'd be amazing. Please, ex- <laughs> please tell everyone about us. <laughs> so... It, Athletic Director Ward Manual, um, you have connections that you could... If I'm you, I would just go ask successful coaches, like the bigger name coaches, like, so, from NFL and from college, so, like, I'd ask, like, Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, Dabo, Sweeney with Clemson, like, just ask, hey, who are the, like, who are these next coaches coming up that you see? Because mm-hmm. coaching is a family, and, mm-hmm. like... Just so it doesn't matter. They're going to give you names sure. from people like, hey, this guy's doing really well. You should ask about him. For example, Jim Harbaugh asked Bill Belichick, who do you think would be a good defensive coordinator to hire? Mm-hmm. And Bill Belichick, I don't know, that guy from Boston College seemed to be doing really well when they played Clemson. Mm-hmm. Maybe you look at him. That guy was Don Brown. And obviously it worked well for the first three four years. Yeah. So well, these coaches are going to give you information and give right. you names. So that would be what I would think. For sure. Let's move on to our last question. Um, so the last question we want to touch on uh, was, when will Michigan fans understand that U of M is no longer a top-tier program? And we're sort of putting this question on here to almost sort of reel in, at least in my mind, reel in the, what's the word? The overly frustrated fan, Right. So, let me preface. You can be frustrated with the state of the Michigan mm-hmm. football program, or at least the team, I should say. Um, you can totally be expect more from the coaches, from the, the team, because we expect more. 
Um, I think as fans, we expect to be competitive in every game, to be in position to win most games, and to beat the teams we're supposed to beat. Uh, and uh, hopefully that equals playing for championships. But I always kind of, I always call it extra whenever we take these, because this is a microcosm. It's a yeah. season which feels, we're in the middle of this really bad season, so it feels huge, right? But in the grander scheme of things, this is the blip on the radar outside of the 2017 year with Brandon Peters mm-hmm. and John O'Korn. We and even then we had a winning record. It's like this is yeah. the old, this will be the only losing record under Harbaugh if we end up with a losing record. And that. again, that goes back to we don't have those filler games. <clears throat> exactly to like buffer our record. Mm-hmm. But I is Michigan an elite program now and in the last decade? No, uh, the elite programs in the country are Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and then a couple others kind of teetering in and out. Of like Notre Dame looks pretty elite this year. Um, they've kind of been on the... I would say Notre Dame's at upper tier. Yeah. I would not put them in the elite category. No, because the, the elite... elite... I would say... I mean, you really have... You have the big three in Oklahoma. Ohio State, Clemson, Bama. Yeah, and Oklahoma... Can Oklahoma have, can be there. They cannot be there. I'd put them right? in that... I would, I would put Oklahoma in that top tier. Yeah, and then beneath them, sort of the tier two is a combination of good and great teams, right? I think we're somewhere in that tier two. Are we one of the... Maybe the high end of the tier two? No. Maybe not, but like... We're still in contention most of the year. Like, we haven't beat our rivals, uh, other than Michigan State, and even then we're 3-3. Three and three. Um, We haven't beat, or we haven't won any hardware, so, like, there's those knocks against us. But, like, top 25 at the end of the year, almost every year, you can't be top 25 and not be considered a good to great program, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So, I would, and also, I would also argue that any sensible fan has would not say that we are a top-tier team in the yeah. last decade. If so, you are, then you're... Yeah, you're crazy. Delusional. Which, obviously, there's huge expectations, and maybe some fans should reel in their expectations. Certainly they should. Because are we top tier? No, we're not. We haven't been in pretty much... Not since Lloyd Carr. Honestly, we probably haven't been like that elite-ish top tier that Michigan. many Michigan fans seem to think we're in, at least the vocal Michigan fans seem to think we're in. We may have not been in that ever. Like, we talk really big about Bo, but... Bo has no national championships. It's true. So, Harbaugh is doing roughly as like consistent as Michigan has been most of their time. Winning ten, you win in like wins. ten games yeah. a year, which is pretty good. But like you're losing a couple d- dumb ones, and so are we the top tier? No, I would say currently we're probably lower second tier, that secondish tier. Mm-hmm. I would say if there's one team we compare very well to it's a team that likes to say they're back <laughs> and we may have mentioned them earlier it's texas yes <laughs> um texas gets a lot of that preseason hype like we do and then because they, get they do re- yeah they do pretty well and then they just lose a couple dumb ones and then it, the cycle just restarts the next year and it's very similar to us they've had a big so, coaching cycle in the yeah. last 10 years too so very similar to us so are we the top tier? No. But we're, we're still... We're also not bottom tier. Yeah, we're not bottom <laughs> tier. Like, this season is a gross, like, abnormality in yes. the history of Michigan. Like, football. this season, yes, we are doo-doo. And, like, we are down, We are low on the... We're bottom are, of the Big Ten, but... Are we the last team in the Big Ten? No. <laughs> but we're not above 10 out of the 14. <laughs> yeah, so just to, just to kind of reel it in here, like... Sh- are we, we expect- the best? No. But, but are we, we the worst? No. no. And should we expect better? Yeah, yes. Frankly. 
So I'm not saying it's not okay to expect more or to wish for more because like because obviously we expect uh, we want us to be a top tier program exactly. and that is within reach. We just aren't there right now. Right, we've gotten really close to it in the last five years, mm-hmm. and then obviously this year is disappointing to be moving the opposite direction. But listen, I I don't know if I've ever thought that Michigan was one of the elites. Um, you know, they're one of the bigger brands. You know, when you talk about college football, who are the some of the biggest brands you think of? I think of USC. Texas, Notre Dame, Michigan, even Ohio, Ohio State. But I don't know if we've ever, like you said, we've never really been an elite team. We've won national championships, but also isn't in an age where they're the group of teams that was that had the resources to be competitive for Natties, a lot smaller, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm not taking away from that. We did win those national championships, and you know, Michigan can't help it if other schools aren't good, but. We've never been a win 11 to 12 games every season sort of team. So, um, that's my take on it. What do you think? Uh, yeah. So, are we top tier? No. Are we bottom tier? No. We're bottom-ish of the second tier with yeah. opportunity to move up. Yes. The prospects for the future, despite current... Despite the bad season, as we mentioned earlier with my Haley S., Prospects look good. We're starting a ton of underclassmen, yeah. and that will pay off in the future, people. You just have to bide your time. Yeah, and we're to the point now where it's like it's, it is a waiting game, and it sucks as a fan. It sucks as a football fan and a Michigan fan, but that's where we're at. Well, uh, those are so those are some of the questions we wanted to hit. Um, there were some other questions in there, but we don't really want to hit these ones because they seem to be kind of on topic with uh, what's going on currently. But um, we'd like to do this more often, so if you see a post from us on Instagram asking a question... Um, you know, it can be football related. We love talking about football, but it can also just be a generic life. Sure. Yeah. Other sports. Happy to answer. I shouldn't say any. Most questions. Most questions. <laughs> Your questions are vetted. Not everything will make it. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry, guys. We do try to make it appropriate. Um, and quality questions. And quality. Yeah. Something that we think listeners will get something out of. So we are actually going to call another audible. This is two audibles. I'm doing on you chance in one podcast. Let's take one more quick break what? and we'll come back and you will do your famed big 10 recap segment. And uh, we'll give some predictions and previews for the Maryland game. Cause we do play Maryland this Saturday. So we'll hit a break. We'll be right back. wrap up the show here with a couple of segments. First and foremost, Chance's famed uh, recap of the Big Ten Conference over the last week, so I'll hand over to you here in a second, Chance. And then um, we will wrap up the show with previews for the Maryland game and some bold predictions, some breakout player predictions, as well as some score predictions. So um, buckle up. Chance is about to take you through the balmy, sunny Big Ten Conference. It is a beautiful 50 degrees here on November 29th. (laughs) And let's just start with the two games that did not happen this week. So Minnesota-Wisconsin, we already knew their game was canceled, as we talked about last week. Uh, Their game didn't happen. Um, Kind of a bummer, because that means Wisconsin doesn't make it to the Big Ten Championship. They won't qualify, even though Northwestern does have the edge on them game-wise. Wisconsin can't qualify. So that kind of sucks. 
So Wisconsin-Minnesota didn't play this week. And then the other game that didn't happen this week. One of the older rivalries in the country, the battle for something, I don't remember what their trophy is, doesn't really matter. I think it's the Illibuck. Something. So it's something dumb. Um, Ohio State and Illinois. Um, Ohio State, this is their second game canceled, which... Which is important because... Important because, as we just talked about Wisconsin, you got to play six games in the big... Uh, six of the eight in the Big Ten to make the conference championship. Um, Ohio State is the one that had the COVID problems this time. So the previous game got canceled because Maryland had COVID problems. Maryland, thankfully, is over those. Um, but Ohio State now has COVID problems. And if they have another game canceled, even though the first one wasn't their fault, it was Maryland's fault. This one was their fault, the Illinois. Um, and even head coach Ryan Day got COVID. So if they have another game canceled, they won't qualify for the Big Ten Championship, which means presumably Indiana will be Big Ten East champion. So, and there has been talk from a lot of college football pundits trying to convince the Big Ten to make an exception and change this rule that you have to play in six games. And to that, I say malarkey. I say hell no. Guys, let's just be honest. There should be no no adjustment for any team. I don't care if it is Rutgers is undefeated and they're the ones that don't get six games. As much as it sucks, them's the rules. Yeah, those are the rules. That's what everyone agreed to at the start of the season. I'm sorry, Ohio State. Maybe you still have the potential of making the Big Ten or the uh, national playoff, playoff college football too. playoff. We'll still be there, but if you aren't able to play against Michigan State this upcoming week, Dunzo. that sucks. Which, uh, real quick, begs a really interesting scenario. If Northwestern goes on to win the Big Ten, now it looks a little different now because they lost to Michigan State. But I asked you on Saturday if they went through and win the Big Ten, and then Ohio State gets left out of the Big Ten Championship, but they're still Ohio State, and they technically don't have, wouldn't have a loss because I don't think they're going to lose any games. What does the playoff committee do? Do they take either of them? or do they I think skip? the bigger question would be, if, what if Indiana beats? Because Indiana uh, lost man. to Ohio State just barely. And Indiana, what a, their only loss is to Ohio State. What a cluster. So Holy let's cow. just go with, uh, let's just start with our beloved Buckers. Butgers beats Purdue 37-30. Did not look good at halftime, not going to lie. But hell of a second half. Oh, yeah. 24 points compared to Purdue's 7 in the second half. That's how you get it done. Then we'll pivot right into, let's do Indiana, who we just talked about. Michael Penix Jr., not a good game this week. Mm -mm. He went like 6 for 20 or something ridiculous, not even throwing for 100 yards. Doesn't matter. They ran all over Maryland, which, which we may get to later. Yeah. Um, so, Indiana, Maryland, Indiana wins 27-11. Talia Tugabailoa, yes, I practiced the name. Uh, Talia Tugabailoa, doing, did, he did okay, but nothing right home to mom about. Mm-mm. So, let's get into the game that happened Friday. Um, Iowa, ranked 24th in the country, Iowa. Wins a nail-biter against Garbage Nebraska, 26-20. So, that brings us to National Championship contending Northwestern. What in the actual F? (laughs) So, they played Michigan State. And early in the, probably later first quarter, I checked. Because Michigan State was winning. I just, like, checked in. What's happening? Rocky Lombardi had the stat line of two for eight Passes 
for 90 yards and two touchdowns. So he had a completion rating of 25%. And that's 25% was for 90 yards and two touchdowns. <laughs> and what? Michigan State manages to hold on and beat Northwestern 29-20. to And Northwestern gave a great second-half comeback. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... Too little, too late. Uh, Northwestern's defense really let them down this week. Not Which is lie. crazy. I Which, think they held Wisconsin. Yeah, they held the Wisconsin. Yeah, not in the red zone. Wisconsin scored, I think, like ten points or something ridiculous. Yeah. It's so like their weird. defense had been legit, and then for whatever reason, they forgot Michigan State, who hasn't had a pulse since Michigan, um, has some some teeth still. So what is a weird what year? This is a bizarre year. Mel, Tucker, Mel Tucker's team is completely baffling with Michigan State. I don't understand what's happening. There's some weird juju. I don't think anyone understands what's yeah. happening. Northwestern, as we just talked about, uh, Northwestern probably going to make the Big Ten Championship because with Wisconsin not being able to make it, they only have to win one more game, and I think they play, like, Maryland, and I think the other – or not Maryland. I think that they play uh, – who? oh, my gosh, I'm blanking on it. Purdue, we just it? talked about it, Minnesota. Minnesota. So they have to play, I think, Minnesota, and the other team they have to play is, I think, think I want to say it's not Purdue because they already beat Purdue. I think it's going to be Nebraska. So they only have to win one of those. And those two are Garbo. So. And those two are Garbo. So presumably you'll win one. You go to the conference championship because you have the win, You already have the advantage over Iowa. And Iowa's going to be your only competition right now. Yeah. So that means it, presumably if Ohio State doesn't miss another game, it'll be Ohio State Northwestern. Ohio State wins. Moves on to college football. If, if not, Ohio it State opens does, up a whole bunch of questions. Worst case scenario for the conference is if Indiana and Northwestern play for the Big Ten title. Because, because Indiana probably would win because yes. they seem to be better. And I think there are a lot of teams who would go before Indiana. Yeah. R- right or wrong. I and so Indiana would most likely be sitting on 7-1. and one. And they wouldn't be ranked top four, I don't think. They So... They're at 12 going into this week where they beat Maryland. So they'll probably move up. To, because they'll take Northwestern spot at 8. So. But do, do they go above 5 or I 6? Don't know. I don't know. If they win conference and they're 7-1, and one, or I guess that'd be 8-1, and one, they're only lost being to Ohio State by like 3 points. It's a good resume for sure. It's a great resume. But it's, I don't know. Because that'd be the first time the committee. I'm glad been, I'm not on that committee. Because. Because there hasn't been a time where they've ha- been had to choose outside of like the top eight programs of the country, collectively, right? Because except when they screwed over Baylor and TCU in 2014. Yes, but we'll ignore that for for sure. I'm there's definitely been a couple of times where the top four, the four that they picked were like, oh, what the heck? Mm-hmm. But there has there hasn't been a year where there was a team in the top eight that didn't deserve to be there or that people didn't think were actually that good. Indiana being in the top eight, maybe they they probably deserve to be there, but like. Mm-hmm. Does the rest of the country see them as a top eight program? Probably not. Probably not. But regardless, that's why expand to eight, please. Yeah, for real. Just expand the playoff. (laughs) There's a problem with the playoff with it being only four teams. Only the same four teams keep making it roughly, which means the best players only go to those four teams. Just expanding the talent gap for everyone else. If you expand to eight, that leaves good teams hope. Yep. Because 2016, that means Michigan makes the playoff. Maybe Michigan gets more recruits because they made the college football playoff. Regardless, it doesn't really matter. Just expand it to eight. This is a great season, too. For reasons like this, where Ohio State might not make the conference championship, even though they're going to be undefeated. Yeah, I don't... Yeah. Expand the playoff. Just do it. It's the right thing to do. So, that is sort of the landscape of the Big Ten. It's a man... It's a weird year. We... I mean, we already knew it would be, but... 
Like I said, there's some weird juju going it's around. It's only getting weirder, folks. It is only getting weirder. Buckle up. It is so, like I a guess, cartoon show around here. I guess we can go from that into... Yeah, let's preview Maryland. Uh, well, there's one fairly notable thing I think we should talk about. Um, because it was national news. Um, Vanderbilt had the first oh, yeah. female Power 5 football player ever. Sarah Fuller what, hopped in for a quick, quick moment. She was the kicker for the day, but Vanderbilt does suck. So there were no field goals taken or extra points. But she had one kickoff that was, we'll say, decent. It looked like she was trying to squib. They said that she was trying to squib. I don't really know. The ball went like about 25 yards, but the important thing is, ball stayed in bounce. Mm-hmm. No return. Mm-hmm. So if she was squibbing, she did her job. Yep. So I would like to see maybe more opportunities in the future with maybe she can do more. I think she has kind of a weird... She's a soccer player. so she, She's a soccer goalie, so she doesn't have much of a follow-through on her kick, sure. which does negate some power. But I would like to see her take some field goals and see what happens. Cause It'd be cool to see her score some points. Obviously, I think she could do the job. Because if she can kick field goals, I don't care who kicks field goals. If you can do the job, you can do the job. That's great. Right. So I hope she gets the opportunity to prove herself in that aspect. But that means Maryland or uh, Vanderbilt needs to get down the field and score points. Which is okay. going to be could be a problem because they just fired their coach today. They're not good. But cool story nonetheless. Cool story. Yeah, really cool story. Shout out to Sarah Fuller. Way to go. Congrats. Making history. Making history. But I'd like to see you have the opportunities to add on to your resume. Just because only one kickoff because you have to kick off to start a half. Well, we do know that Chance loves his kickers. And I do love my kickers. Having a girl kicker for the first time in history, it's a big deal. Big deal. So. I'd like to see you do more, but shout out to her. Good job. Right on. Let's go ahead and transition then into our Maryland previews. So... Um, I'm gonna. I won't make you say his name very often because I know it's. it's Talia Tungavailoa. It's got been, it no problem. It's been a journey for you, but uh, Talia Tungavailoa is the starting quarterback for Maryland, and he's been pretty streaky so far this season. Um, he either does amazing or he does awful. Exactly, <laughs> pretty inconsistent. Which for a young quarterback you would kind of expect because he is younger. Um, so he is really the Maryland offense. Um, I think outside of him, I don't think they really have any game-breaking wide receivers or nope. running backs. Um, their running game is actually not that great. Um, going in, what are they averaging, Chance? They're averaging an astounding 131.8 yards. And you want to Michigan's averaging, as much as we rip on Michigan not running the ball. What are we averaging? We're averaging 131.5. So we're averaging 0.3 yards less a game. So that should show you if we are continually saying Michigan doesn't run the ball enough, um, that means they are not running much either. Right. Because so <laughs> 130 is not much. So as far as what to expect against Maryland, as far as their game plan... Um, we passing, have, passing, and more passing. Yes. Although maybe Michigan, we think maybe Michigan should be running the ball more. Yeah, right? we're going to get into... I mean, we can get into... Well, no, 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 uh, yeah, it was... no, 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 no. So, let's just hop into my bold take for the week. <laughs> um, Maryland allows a lot of running. They do. As we just referred to with Indiana, um, Michael Penix Jr., quarterback for Indiana, didn't have a great game. Didn't matter. <laughs> they still won handily. Yes. Because they ran the ball down Maryland's throats. Because Maryland is on... Maryland's actually worse at stopping the run than us. Which is impressive. 
So Maryland's allowing 230 rushing yards a game and only allowing 214 passing yards a game. So with our injured quarterbacks, this would be a great opportunity to run the ball. So my bold take for the week shouldn't be that bold <laughs> because it's a really low bar. It should be it should be obvious that this is our approach, but here So we are. I'm going to set it slightly higher. So a really low bar would be like 150, which is technically more than we average. But 150 is really not that much when it comes to running the ball. Mm-mm. I'm going to say 200. Michigan rushes for 200 yards, which shouldn't be that crazy. But here we are. But it feels it feels crazy enough to be a bold take, which is sad. Yeah, I don't know if I'm confident enough at this point in the philosophy and approach to the offensive play calling to make a bold prediction that's based on our offense. So my bold prediction is that... Talia Tungavailoa throws for over 250 yards on the day. Now, I don't want to see that happen, and I would love to see him throw for less. Um, And this isn't even so much a knock on the defensive backs for Michigan. This is mainly just based on what I've seen from our pass rush. Um, He's going to have a lot of time to throw, most likely. Yes. I think we're not going to get a lot of pressure on him. And when you have any quarterback three to four or five, six seconds to throw, they're going to find an open guy. 60 to 70% of the time. So I think the passing game is going to be there for him based on the lack of pass rush. And I think they're just going to have to abandon the run game. As much as we mm-hmm. are not good at abandoning or stopping the run, they, they are not very good at, good at it. No, they're not good at running the ball. So it's weak as also, so Mike Loxley, head coach, Maryland, um, was co-offense coordinator with Josh Gaddis. Uh, he asked Josh Gaddis to do something for him when he took the head coaching job at Maryland. Was that? He asked Josh Gaddis to be his offensive coordinator. Josh Gaddis spurned him mm. to go to Michigan. So I think there's going to be a little of that rivalry sure. and just frustration from Loxley of like, oh, you didn't go to me, you went here, and it's going horrible for you here. So like, and they've had a little bit of back and forth and, yeah. like, and indirectly. La- so last year, there was definitely some indirect back and forth between the two. Mm-hmm. Not as much this year, mainly because neither team's doing hot. <laughs> but... I totally expect Michael. If Mike Loxie has the opportunity to start rubbing it in, yes, he will. He's going to try to rub it in. He will for sure. And, and then, I don't blame him in the slightest. No, no. Uh, there may be a, a little bit of a some digs in there for sure. Um, so if this pass game works for Maryland, like they'll capitalize. We kind of it. are expecting it to. Yeah. I would say two fifty might even be too low. Yeah. So I mean, the keys for us are pretty simple. Um, Obviously, it goes without saying, have to give our ode to John Madden, have to score more points than the other team. That is crucial. That is the most important point when it comes to football. We need to stop the other team from scoring points while simultaneously scoring points. You could even say it's the game-deciding factor. You can go as far as to say that. Um, That's a big stretch. (laughs) uh, But on a real note, we have to find some sort. If If Michigan is going to pull out a win, you have to find, even if it's only... Uh, um, you know, a micron of an improvement. You have to find more of a pass rush. Even if you, you don't even need to get sacks. You don't need to get negative yardage plays. You just, just have to make your presence make felt. Him have to move in the pocket. And it'll make him throw early. So throw off his timing. Yeah. So what we what we know about Talia Tagovailoa, he's not much of a running quarterback. No. He is definitely more of a po- standard, typical pocket passer. He's a little mobile. He is willing to run a little bit, but like he's not. Like, Sean Clifford is more of a balanced quarterback. He can throw it. He can run it. Talia is much more in the pass category than he mm-hmm. is in the run category. 
So that bodes more in our favor because that means he's not going to be gashing us up the middle like Clifford did last week. But that also means we need to get pressure on him because he can't beat us with his arm. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and so we have to get some sort of pass rush because I think even as much as we've been bad, as bad as we've been over the last couple of games at stopping the run, um, I think we contain the run, probably give him more yards than we should, but I'm not too worried about it. Um, and then lastly, my sort of key to the game is, I mean, it's sort of a key to every game, but here, here we are still saying it. Call a game that's just friendly to either Joe or Cade, whoever starts. Yeah. I, expect I don't Cade care to, who starts. <laughs> I, I expect whoever Cade is healthier and can run exactly, the offense. Exactly. But the thing is, call, just, just stop. Just, just stop it. Call a quarterback friendly game, which means heavy run. And just op- let the, so, let the run game open things up for the quarterback. If I'm gonna say, if there's any offense we should verbatim copy right now, it is 2011 Michigan State. Yes. Kirk Cousins is now an NFL quarterback off of one play. Mm-hmm. He was a master of the play action pass. Yes. Because they ran the ball down your throat. With either Lev Bell or whoever other running backs they have. They had a ton of them. Names I'm not remembering. Doesn't really matter. But they ran the ball so much that when they did that play action pass, it burnt the other team so bad. Yes. And now Kirk Cousins is was at one time the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Cool story from Holland Christian. Went to Michigan State. Highest paid quarterback in the NFL. He probably only made the NFL off that play-action pass. Yeah. So if there's a team we need to copy what they did, just well, run the ball, please. I just, no, I would literally be fine if we ran nothing but running plays and play-action. Mm-hmm. Screw the screens, no reverses, no flea flickers. No so either you are, st- make them have to stack the box just because yes. they think we're running every time, and then throw just enough play-action that they can't put everybody in the and, box. Just for the love of God, stick with the run game. Whether it, it's working well or not as well as you would like, just stick with it because eventually they are going to have to load the box at some point. Because you only have 11 players in the field. You can't you can't put them all in, Even, in coverage. So averaging three yards a carry is abysmal. And if you just do that, you're getting a first down every three plays. Roughly. Roughly, yes. You need 3.33 technically, but... but I mean, it's doable because we have the talent there. Yeah, because so, as we just talked about last week, Evans averaged six. Yes. Or, uh, no, Haskins averaged six. Evans averaged eight. Yeah, or something nine. Like, then uh, Quorum averaged nine. So just between these three, get it'll some, work out. Get somebody going, ride him, and then sprinkle in the rest. Keep the hot hand rolling. Give yes. him enough breaks he doesn't get dead. Yes. But... Keep the hot hand rolling. I don't care who it is. It's probably going to be Haskins, but whoever is doing well, just keep it ball. going. <laughs> run the ball. And I, I don't know if I've ever asked a Michigan team to run the ball more. You know what I yeah. mean? Because Norman Michigan is heavy run as Pretend is. this is 2008 Michigan with Stephen Threed at quarterback or Nick yes. Sheridan. Just run the, run the ball. Just run F- Five out of seven ball. plays. Run the ball. Until, run the ball. Until they consistently stop you on multiple series. Run the ball. Mm-hmm. So here's the hoping. Um, for the sake of time, let's go ahead and just get into some predictions here for the game because 
There's not a whole lot more to preview for this game. No. We know on paper what Michigan should do. They should capitalize on the run, and they should figure out how to pass rush. Will they do it? I don't know. And so for that reason, well, I guess let's do breakout players first. Um, I did not know who to pick for my breakout player. Um, I All the ones that I think would might have a breakout game this, this week, I've already picked before, and I don't want to be redundant. One of the running backs should emphasize, underline, highlight, should – have a big game this weekend. Presumably Haskins, but that's not really fair because he already broke out last year. Right. So I'm going to say that if the running game goes as we think it should, it should open up the pass, uh, the passing game a bit. And somebody who we seem to like to target a lot is Eric All in the passing game. Tight end, really lengthy, athletic, kind of reminds me of a, a slightly shorter Gentry, the way they use him, Zach Gentry, from a couple of years ago. I think he can have a big game if the running game goes well and they target him. He had a couple drops last game, but I think he comes back because he seems to have some nice touch and when he catches the ball. So um, I'm going to say Eric Hall. I'm going to say he has bold take. It should be bold. I'm going to say five receptions for... Five yards. <laughs> no. Five receptions for 80 yards. For a tight end, that's a lot. That is a ton. Uh, considering Ronnie Bell had four catches for, I think, 40 yards last week. It's a bold that's take. A ton. It's a bold right. take. Okay, so my breakout player... Hold on, I, hold on. I'm just realizing. That's averaging over 10 yards a catch. Yeah, that's insane. I'm going to reel it in. Five catches for 50 yards. So averaging okay. 10 a catch. I was going to say, because 80 is a ton. Yeah, that's, that's a banking lot. on one really big play. Almost 20 <laughs> yards a play. So my breakout player, going off my bold take of rushing for 200 yards... Um, Hassan Haskins can't do that himself, most likely. I mean, he can. We just saw Buffalo's running back go for, like, 400 yards and oh, eight touchdowns. don't get me started. They, they didn't give him the record. Eight touchdowns is insane. Oh, my God. Howard Griffith, the Illinois running back, said it in the early 90s. I think an Oklahoma State player tied it a couple of years ago in 2016. They had a chance to, he had a chance to score the ninth one. They scored another rushing touchdown, and they took him out. <laughs> They were in the red zone. He had a huge play, and they take him out. He like, a shot for an NCAA record, and they took him out. I oh mean, maybe gosh. they didn't know, but I hope someone is yelling at them, put him in. But regardless, we yes. just saw this guy go for 400 yards. So it is possible. It's possible. So is Haskins going to do that all himself? Probably not. Especially knowing Gattis. <laughs> so yeah. in that rotation of running backs, I'm going to go. With, I picked Blake Corm too much to pick Blake Corm again. <laughs> So I'm going to pick Chris Evans because, one, we love Chris Evans. Great story. We've already talked about it. So Chris Evans has to be my pick because he showed – this especially this past week, they started using him in ways mm-hmm. that definitely allow him – they started using him in ways that definitely allow him to be successful and – Use the skills he has that maybe the other running backs don't from his experience as he is a senior. So he would be my breakout player. I don't care if it's him, Haskins, Corum, Charbonnet gets more touches back. Somebody, I don't care who does it. Just somebody run the ball. 200 yards should, isn't much to ask for. Yeah. They allow what? What we say they allow? Da, 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 they allow 228. 228. So they're allowing 228. 200 is not that much to ask, so please just do it. Yeah, it's the fact that we're at our bold take is to ask them to get less than what they give away on average. It's like 
is sad to say, but it is. that's also saying we're getting 70 more yards of yes. what we average. Because the unfortunate reality is the only person holding these running backs back from bigger games is their play caller. So What? <laughs> what? It seems so backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so last but not least, let's get into some score predictions. Uh, this is going to depress some people, but until Michigan improves or wins a game against somebody other than Butkers and Minnesota in the beginning of the year, I can't predict them to win. Not as a football fan, the, the things that I know and the patterns that we've seen, mm-hmm. it's like predicting that it's not the same, but it's a similar concept that I can't predict them to beat Ohio State until they do. I can't predict them to be different. To go until out there they and, show that they're different. Exactly. And if they go out with the same thing they've been doing, you're going to lose. You can... I'm not, I won't go into it. I am predicting that Maryland pulls out the W and wins... 31-21. to 21. I think Michigan struggles on offense because they... Have done all year. <laughs> as they have done all year, but because they don't stick with the run down the stretch like we think they should. I hope they surprise us and contradict what I'm predicting. But I'm predicting Maryland to win handily. I think Michigan scores a late touchdown in garbage time and makes it 31-21. That's definitely an understandable take. And I will go the complete opposite direction. I will say the final score, 38-17. Maryland's going to win. Let's be honest. <laughs> I was going to say. Let's be honest here, people. <laughs> um, and I, we have shown, we are expressing ways we feel Michigan could capitalize and be successful, but let's just be honest. They haven't shown it. Unless Gaddis has a change of heart. To be fair, I did say after, I think it was... It wasn't the state game. It was the Wisconsin game. I said I want to predict, predict Michigan to win again. And then I did it two more times. So <laughs> Won't be proven wrong again. Won't be proven wrong again. <laughs> so the smart money is not on Michigan. Take even though <laughs> I think the line is in Michigan's favor. Surprise. Well, it's because Vegas likes to get Michigan fans out betting. Because we have a lot of money and we'll go bet. Because we're dumb. So let's see. It's too early in the week to get a spread. But I'm going to presume the money's probably going to be in Michigan's favor. Don't be dumb. Bet on Maryland. If you're going to bet, bet on Maryland. Take Maryland's the points. better. Take the points. Take the points. Maryland's better. Maryland, like, and as we are, I mentioned earlier, Mike Loxley, head coach, Maryland, has an axe to grind with Josh Gaddis. If yes. the opportunity's there, I expect There's him to motivation start there. pouring salt in the wound, twisting the knife, whatever, you, whatever reference you want to do. I don't care. Yeah, Maryland I, has the opportunity to make this ugly, and if the opportunity is there, I think they will capitalize. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, we pointed out uh, earlier, it's these prediction, these percentages seem to have no rhyme or reason to them. But ESPN has Michigan with a seventy three point three percent chance to win. I don't see it. I mean, on paper, sure, Michigan has more talent on their roster. Michigan has a game script that plays favorably to what they should be able to do well. But what has Michigan done all year? Not what they do well. So Completely ignore everything we succeed at and do things that are dumb. Yeah, but what do we know? We just host a podcast. <laughs> to be fair, Josh Gaddis is, knows way more college football. Or way does. more football than I will ever know. He does. But Josh, you're being dumb. Yeah, but when you know so much, you maybe... As we mentioned. Overthink it. It's the poison scene from... Yes, overthink. Poison so, scene from Princess Bride. So there it is. Uh, we are both... Projecting Michigan to lose. Um, hopefully, 
we see a different result. Um, but until it happens, that's all we can do is hope. So, um, if you did not see, this weekend, um, the coverage for the Michigan-Maryland game will be on BTN. Uh, woo, go BTN. Big Ten <laughs> uh, Game is at 3.30 p.m. on Saturday, December 5th. Guys, we're playing December for December football for the first time in forever. It could snow. It I, might snow. I don't know what the forecast is. I think the game is... So, the more important thing is, if Michigan doesn't win this game, it'll be the first time they haven't won a single home game yeah. basically ever. So, for the love of God, don't lose this. <laughs> for for any for, for no other reason other than just to say you've got to win at home. Good Lord. Please win. So and It's not like they're playing world beaters at home, people. No. It's a, it's a winnable quote-unquote game. Mm-hmm. That's what we said about every game. So... Uh, there it is. There you have it. Uh, here we are, hoping for Michigan win against the Terrapins in Ann Arbor on Saturday. Uh, maybe in the snow, maybe not. Who knows? It's 2020, people. COVID-19, snow games, who knows? Um, but anyways, we will see you guys on game day on Saturday. We will be chanting hail from the bleachers, as always. Hoping for Michigan win. For the love of God, Harbaugh, give us a win at home. For no other reason but pride. Give us a win. We'll see you guys there. Go Blue. Much like Michael Scott from The Office, no doubt about it, I'm ready to be heard again.